Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about in-game advertising and how brands are utilizing this tactic to great effect, all while strategizing amid growing efforts to implement global data privacy policies. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Jared Lansky, SVP of Partnerships at MediaMath. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Uh, why don't we get started, though, by you giving a little background on yourself, uh, as well as what you're currently doing at MediaMath. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, Senior Vice President of Partnerships at MediaMath. For those that might not be familiar, MediaMath is a demand-side platform or a platform that lets advertisers buy across really any channel that can be purchased digitally. So that's television, audio, websites, out-of-home billboards, and what we're going to be talking about today, in-games. So the partnership role is really interesting because I get to interact with all the different companies that are integrated into our platform. And that can be different supply partners or data partners or technology partners. So having a really good view about all the new company startups that are bringing values to advertisers and how they fit into the broader ecosystem. In general, a little bit more about myself, have done a host of startups through the years. One of those startups got acquired by Google where I spent about four years managing their ad exchange and joined MediaMath about two years ago. Great, great. Well, yeah, let's get started here and let's let's start with a little overview and background on in-game advertising for those that may be a little less familiar with uh, with with some of this. So how would you define what exactly is in-game advertising and, and what are the types of, of in-game advertising that are available? At a basic level, in-game advertising is the integrations of ads within games. To break that down a bit further, there are static advertising opportunities within games. In those scenarios, the ads are considered at time of game development. So it's published with the advertiser's message already incorporated into the game. And then what we're seeing more of today is dynamic in-game opportunities. So this, the game has been published, but there's still the opportunity to insert ads thereafter once the game is uh, actually published. And if we even go uh, break that down a bit further, within the game, there is intrinsic ads. 
So these are the ads that are actually part of gameplay. And if you think of playing uh, hockey uh, through a game, around the sides of the hockey rink, there might be advertisements. In the past, those advertisements were made up or fictitious. Now today, we can actually insert real advertisements into those games. Yeah, nice. Outside of the uh, intrinsic games, they're what we call game adjacent. So this might be a mobile game that you are playing on your phone, and then on the bottom of the screen, you might see a banner. So those are labeled game adjacent. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so lot, lots of options there, and, and some... Sounds like some more dynamic than than others as well. Uh, so, you know, kind of a broad question here, but how can brands leverage in-game advertising to basically to create a more immersive experience, you know, as opposed to uh, maybe a, a website which is, has a fairly static experience? You know, in-game advertising offers pretty pretty interactive play. So, you know, how, how can brands really take advantage of this for target audiences? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of innovation all happens and, and really the last, let's say, 18 months. So ads have been accompanying games for a while now, especially on mobile games. But as I mentioned earlier, there's a more ad adjacent. So you have a large audience and you can reach that audience by having the banner ad that's uh, next to the game. But the innovation really comes with those intrinsic ads. And that's where you can get that immersive environment. So whether it's a driving game or if it's a kind of a first-person shooter where you're navigating a map and actually working, uh, walking across different environments, the ads, the billboards that are displayed in those games can be inserted with ads in a near real-time capacity. So it affords this opportunity to have, you know, be completely consumed in the game, have a lot of attention focusing on the game, but still in your periphery, having these ads that are placed. And we're seeing some really novel placements that are happening and there's standardization, which has really helped the, the space pick up momentum and see a lot more business. Yeah, and so to kind of follow on that, you know, you mentioned the, the intrinsic ads kind of being seamlessly worked into the games. How does how is this done well without without disrupting narrative, di- disrupting game design, or you know maybe even compromising intellectual property? So outside of the examples I just gave, which again they're pretty passive, right? When yeah. you're driving your car and you see the billboards on the side, in the past. It was a fictitious ad. Now it's a real ad, but that doesn't really hurt the user experience. But outside of that, there's also a rewarded video, which, you know, it could be polarizing, but ultimately it's part of the gameplay. So you're at some level and you need to get to the next step. As part of the next step, you might have to watch a video or interact with an ad. So, it is absolutely part of the the storyline of the game. It does kind of take you away from that gameplay, but at the end of the day, it is part of the game. And to be able to progress, you need to be able to take that action. Yeah. I also want to mention that there's a 
audio ads that we're starting to see in game as well. So similar to the rewarded video where it's part of the gameplay, but the benefit of the audio ad, instead of having to watch a video, you'll initiate an audio ad that will play in the background while you're playing the game. So you're still stopping your current activity. You have to go through the step to engage with the ad, but it's a little less intrusive because you can continue playing the game without having to wait for that video or interact with the ad while having the audio work in the background. Yeah, it's like if you're if if it's a car driving game, it's like listening to the radio in, in the car or something like that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. So while consumers generally want more personalized content and experiences. And I, w- I would even say the the ads, the fact that you can tailor those and that they are dynamic. I mean, it's I think it's more rewarding to have a dynamic ad than either a static ad or a generic ad or, or you know, something like that. But, you know, while consumers want this stuff, it, there, there are some trade-offs as far as the brands that are serving these these ads, the games, they need to collect data about those consumers and you know, so it requires data being sent to advertisers and brands in order to get those personalized recommendations. So how do current consumer data privacy laws, which obviously vary widely from, you know, locale to locale, but, you know, how do they affect in-game advertising? Yeah, the privacy laws are impacting every aspect of online advertising or digital advertising. And then really what it comes down to is you need to be transparent with the consumer. There needs to be a fair value exchange. And furthermore, understanding what the advertiser is going to be doing with the data and give that consumer the ability to manage that data, right? There is value being provided in these games, but the problem happens when all of this is happening behind the scenes. Bring it out into the open transparently share what you what data you're going to be collecting and then ultimately giving that user the ability to manage it on top of that you really want to minimize the data right just because the data is there to be collected doesn't necessarily mean you have to collect it or should collect it and with in games in particular the way they are structured they don't afford the same liberties as a traditional website. For example, cookies can't be dropped in many of the in-game environments. So as a result, we're seeing more upper or mid-funnel targeting tactics take place. Think of kind of branding initiatives. So not relying on really kind of hyper-targeting, but targeting more on the genre of the game. Right. So if you are advertising to sports enthusiasts, it's enough to target games that are baseball, hockey, football, to have that proximity to your audience segment. And then what's also adding to that trend is that in many in-game environments, the ads themselves aren't clickable. So you're not going to advertise in a game to, to sell a widget right there on that one transaction, but rather you're presenting the brand you're just improving the recognition of that brand and then there can be other tactics layered on thereafter to actually try to complete the transaction but the in-games opportunity is really um, more of a branding vehicle and as a result 
uh, are in a better position with respect to privacy and compliance. Before we continue, I'd like to make sure you're aware of the upcoming CXPS 2023 conference, May 8 through 11, 2023 in Durham, North Carolina. CXPS is a great CX event focused on professional services firms that want to know how to take the next steps to make their firm successful in integrating client experience with their firm's strategic initiatives. To learn more and register for the conference, go to clientexperience.org slash CXPS dash conference. That's clientexperience.org slash CXPS dash conference. And you can register with the code Agile 200, that's A-G-I-L-E 200, for $200 off your tickets. You can hear from top professional services executives and CX thought leaders like myself through a combination of keynotes, breakout sessions, workshops, and panel discussions. Make sure to register at clientexperience.org slash CXPS conference with the code Agile200 for $200 off your tickets. Now let's get back to the show. You've mentioned the concept of, you know, if, if they're going to be collecting data, and, and even though it's, it, it may be different than collecting web data or mobile app data in general or something, you know, they're going to collect, uh, they're going to be collecting some of that data. But how do you see the value exchange? Like, how have you seen the value exchange done well as far as, you know, providing a benefit? It relies heavily on the game publisher themselves. And the reason I say that is the game often requires a registration of some point, whether you're creating your username, inserting your age, and just general login credentials. So at that point, a registration is really a good opportunity to have that discussion with the end user, right? You're getting access to this game in exchange that we also work with advertisers. Advertisers might do X, Y, and Z and giving them the choice to say, yep, I'm okay with that or no, I'm not, but maybe somewhere in the middle I'm okay with. And so the more sophisticated publishers are using third-party solutions, consent management platforms to really manage that conversation in a productive way. Beyond that, there's also the opportunity to interact with the end user as an advertiser through such formats as that rewarded video, right? There's no clear example of value exchange when you're presented right there at the moment of gameplay to say, we can give you another skin or we can upgrade your car, but in exchange, we need to, you need to interact with this ad. And by the way, these are the different data points that we will be collecting Again, is this okay? Um, yes, no, and, and being able to capture consents and really express what that advertiser is going to be doing and what data they are collecting. Yeah, yeah. And so from a from an advertiser standpoint, I mean, as we talked about at the top of the show, there's there's a lot of options here. There's, you know, several different ways. How does how does a brand really decide what's gonna work best for them? You know, which which methods or you know, are there are there certain certain methods or you know types of ads that work a little bit better for different types of of desired effects or, or things like that? Yeah, in game advertising is still relatively new, so 
we're seeing a lot of testing from advertisers to figure out what's going to work best based on their the goals that they're looking for, or their KPIs. So we see a lot of cases where all the different formats are tested and then deciding based on their goal objective, which one is going to work best for them. So you have branding, which is you just want to associate and get your brands associated with a particular game that represents a, a typical audience. And then you can go all the way further down the funnel where you have more of an added adjacent, where you have a traditional banner ad, where you can generate a click and ultimately uh, drive a conversion. So for some advertisers, it's a mix of all of them. For others, they're picking and choosing certain placements within that funnel that are going to provide value to them. But it's, you know, ultimately the games represent a huge audience. I mean, everyone yeah. is playing games and it's not just teens in the basement playing shooting games. The latest that have females actually over indexing over males, especially with casual games. So it's new. There's a lot of options needs to be figured out in terms of the amount of people and the amount of time being spent on games relative to the ads the revenue generated from ads, it's completely under-indexed, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth. I think we, there's a plethora of options. I still think we'll, we'll see some continued innovation in terms of what type of formats work really well. The intrinsic ads have been a, a huge step forward, but still when you have the static type of ad placement where the whole game is incorporated around the idea of an advertisement, that's kind of the marquee experience. But yeah. within, with respect to media math and how we operate, everything we do is programmatic. So it is uh, decisioning that's happening at the time of the end opportunity. So I see those worlds colliding between the advantages of static and the efficiencies of programmatic and more capabilities coming together as a result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely sounds like exciting, exciting things ahead. And so al along those lines, first of all, thanks so much for joining. I've got, you know, just one last question before we wrap up here. As you mentioned, MediaMath, definitely a leading advertising technology platform. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of exciting stuff here. What do you see on the horizon, just given kind of your purview on things? Uh, what's on the horizon regarding ad tech that brands should be keeping in mind in, in the months ahead. Yeah, anyone's familiar with this space, they have heard about the demise of the third-party cookies. Yeah. So as a result, right, Apple has already put this in place, Firefox, Brave, uh, and Chrome is slated, I think, at the end of 2024 yeah. for the removal of cookies. So as a result, this notion of first-party data uh, has become really valuable, right? You also might have seen this trend with respect to retail media. They sit on a really valuable data source that's not only available for targeting, but also attribution. What I'm particularly excited about, because it taps into the first party data, but also on the privacy side is for publishers or retailers or brands that have that first party data, but they're not so willing to actually use it for targeting. They don't want to release that control. There's the ability today to take that first party data and use it as a seed audience. 
though, you would work with a clean room or a third party where you can safely provide that data segment just to allow models to be built off of that seed audience. So you're not targeting that that data set per se, but you're using that to build models. And the way you can transact against that defined model is contextual. So instead of targeting a cookie or instead of targeting an email address, you have the ability to, okay, create this model of that first party segment and start to map it to websites that that user or users similar to that profile have visited. So instead of, again, targeting an actual cookie, you start to get an understanding of what type of websites that user has visited and creating packages of those websites and being able to execute that valuable data set without actually targeting data. So it's really kind of bridged the gap between the the fidelity of that targeting while taking into consideration the privacy concerns and the regulations are in place with respect to how you can target to bring the, the best the best of both of those together. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I think the the whole clean room. There's been a just a lot of movement on that. I, do you think some of this is you know from from where you sit? Do you do you think that brands are moving quickly enough? I mean, as you mentioned, at least as of today, Google you know Google's deprecating at the end of 2024. I know that's changed like. 20 times in the last 12 months or something, but um, I'm being a little facetious. But do you think that brands are moving quickly enough to get to first party data or, you know, are, are things like data clean, clean rooms and, and things like that going to help kind of accelerate things towards the end here? All brands are, or I'll say most brands are discussing, they're aware, they have some strategy, but there's still a lot of, scale and opportunities within Chrome when there are cookies. So I not moving fast enough. They are prepared to move fast, but there isn't the reason to do so just yet. Once cookies go away, that's when you'll see things really accelerate. And I'm confident the brands will be in a position to navigate that change. But the impetus to make that change is not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Well, again, I'd like to thank Jared Lansky, SVP Partnerships at MediaMath for joining the show. You can learn more about Jared and MediaMath by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.